Hey guys, Ishelle here. Welcome back to Liberty Diner Dish. I am so excited to share this conversation that I have with Del Shores, one of the writers for Queer as Folk. Over the course of us recording our podcast, I've been lucky enough to do several interviews with different writers, and I kind of hoard those, and I screenshot all our conversations, and I just save all of those interactions because there's such a wealth of information. This was my very first conversation with Del Shores, and I think Ken and I were on season two when I recorded then. Since then, I've had more chats with Dell, and I always get such great background information from him and have some really great fun while talking with him and getting to hang out with him. All of the interviews and emails and messages that I've had with the writing team formed a lot of my views on the show, and I've referenced them often. And so now I'm starting to share more of that with you guys. And this one in particular was really fun. I mean, you won't hear this part, but the first couple of minutes of us talking was Dale trying to like lecture his three little dogs and tell them how to behave while he was recording. He has laundry going in the background. You can hear his dryer go off. It was great. It was just like going over to a friend's house in the middle of the day and just kind of like hanging out (laughs) with them. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one. It was pretty fun for me and I hope it's the same for you. All right, check it out. Uh, so I'm here with Del Shores, one of the writers for Queers Folk. Thank you for joining me, sir. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, really and it's pronounced Ishel, right? Ishel? Yes. Uh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so for starters, just tell us, how did you get over to Queers Folk? Um, I always say Swoozy Kurtz, the actress, got me that job, and she truly did. I did a movie with Swoozy that I wrote and directed that also starred Olivia Newton-John and her daughter, Chloe Latanzi, and uh, we shot it in Australia. And after we got back uh, from the shoot, Swoozy and I sort of fell madly in love. Uh, I mean, she's such a fun fun, fun person and a lovely human being. And uh, so she had been on Sisters and Dan and Ron, Dan Dan, uh, Lipman and Ron Cowan had created Sisters as well as Queers Folk. She was just talking to them casually one day and uh, they said they were looking for a new writer uh, for the show. And she said, I have your new writer. His name is Del Shores. You have to go see his play Southern Baptist Sissies immediately. And she called me, I got them tickets. That was, they saw it on a Friday night. I met with them on a Monday and by the end of the week, uh, the next Friday, they offered me the job. Wow. And I wasn't expecting, honestly, I wasn't expecting, I was such a fan already of the show. I wasn't pursuing the show. I had heard nothing from my agent about the show. Uh, Uh You know, that there was an available place and I really wasn't looking to do any TV. I just come off of Darm and Greg and, um, but boy, when they said, we want you, I couldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, and it was best, best TV experience I ever had. Yeah. I just loved it. Loved it. Awesome. Okay. So when you joined at that point, this, these were kind of already established characters. Now, I think they mm-hmm. still had a lot of evolving and growing to do, which you guys did over the next several seasons. Uh, but when you come into something like that, when it's already started and they kind of already have these players established, how do you get into you know, get into that mindset and get into the world that they've already built? Well, it wasn't hard for me at all because I, like I said, I was such a fan of the show. So I had seen every single episode. Okay. There was nothing that I did not know about Brian and Justin and Ted and Emmett and Debbie. I mean, I knew it all already. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times in TV, when you're up for a show, like I remember years ago, I was up for the show Reba and they sent me just an ungodly amount of episodes for me to watch because I had never seen the show before. 
so you have to do your research but i already knew the voices i already knew you know how they i, I feel i feel like that i knew the characters and uh then i was just guided really well we we had the best bosses uh ron, ron uh, cowan and and um dan lipman were so amazing to us and they just invited us to bring our world into the queers world, uh, the queer spoke world by, um, they would want to know what we did over the weekend, you know, because we were all gay writers. And so a lot of our lives came into those characters. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I feel like, uh, and you can probably, uh, since you were watching beforehand, maybe you might agree or disagree. I feel like around season three, the, um, it's almost like the tone started to shift a little bit and queer folks started to participate in these larger conversations mm -hmm. that were happening, you know, on a grander scale out in out in the world. So the, why was that important or did you feel that shift and why, kind of why was that important? I, I think that we all felt uh, the need to uh, use the show through the characters and their voices as uh, a platform for uh, without being too preachy. That you know, because you you can you can do that. You can you can preach your your voice through a character's voice, and it's not authentic. So we had to be we had to really guard that. But we in listening to what was going on and the movements were going on, and you know that gay marriage was really starting to bubble. You know, Canada had just uh, uh, voted for gay marriage, and and I think uh, we already had it in Massachusetts in the United States. So we started having that dialogue and, um, and you know, just things like that we would, that would piss us off. Like it, the fact that we couldn't give blood. Yeah. I mean, that became a very big deal. And actually the, ep one, as an aftermath of the episode that I wrote that, uh, when, when Babylon was bombed, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and Michael needed blood and Brian couldn't give him blood. And so, so we just, we, we listened to what was going on. We listened to the rhetoric of what was going on in the pulpits. Yeah. And I'm a preacher's kid, so I was, I was the one that got to write when, you know, Justin and um, his, what was that, Cody, went to, um, to church. Yeah. I got to uh, quote some scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think doing that had to be risky, not just in the social climate context, but also for your fan base who just wants to make it a story about these friends and these lovers and these partners. And so would you say that that's, that's true? There is a little bit of risk there, even though I think I think it was an important risk and I we were willing to do it. And, and, and let's be honest. Queer's Folk was a huge hit. Yeah. I mean, internationally, it was a huge hit. So the great um, gift of being a hit is, first of all, you can take some risk. And the network, Showtime left us alone. They never gave us notes. They never told us we could not write this or we could write. They never gave us notes on the show. And uh, so, so we got to, uh, you know, with the guidance of Ron and Dan, because they were the final say, we got to pitch and we got to, um, to share stories that were important to us. Um, I know we got, a, we also, you know, we got a lot of flack from the gay community. There was, because anytime, um, I think anytime you tell the truth with warts and all, that there are some people that are going to be offended, which that's their choice. I always say, you know, it's your choice to be offended. Uh, but, uh, you know, not only were we offended, uh, offending, you know, the evangelicals, 
but uh, we were offending some of the, it seemed like more of the older gay community. They didn't like that there was drug use. They didn't like that there was um, promiscuity. And I'm like, have you been out? (laughs) You know? Yeah. So I mean I got attacked at a party one time, not attacked, attacked, you know. I mean I mean verbally attacked uh-huh. by some guy just came over to me. I heard you wrote on Queers Folk uh, and well that you do not represent me. Yeah. And I was going, Well, <laughs> go write your own fucking show. You know? Yeah. I don't you know, but that's where we were. We were like okay, we were a little bit arrogant. We were like, Okay, we we're we got enough people who like us. You don't have to like us. Well, and I imagine that's a, a, you know, just a good thing to have to say, we've got something we want to say that's important. We want to speak on Mm -hmm. important issues and we believe so strongly in this. And we have a fan base that even if after this episode, they turn us off and never come on again, they got to hear what we had to say through this. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But, but most of them, honestly, they didn't turn us off. No. (laughs) No. They stayed for the sex. (laughs) No. <laughs> that is that is true, yeah. Uh, but also with that, uh, and along the lines of what you were saying, you guys gave us real people, and they were they were flawed, and they were not perfect. Yes. I think that could even be hard to swallow for some people because we weren't mm-hmm. used to seeing that. We're used to characters that are wholly good or wholly bad, and definitely in the context of a family in these friendships, I really I really enjoyed that that we got to see a lot of tension. Yeah, it's um. It's outside of my Queers Folk career and that career. It blended for me because I've always written flawed characters. I love flawed characters because, as you said, we are all flawed. Mm -hmm. And um, when you sanitize something, it uh, it doesn't ring true. And I think that's what I I, I loved about Queers Folk, that there was Mm -hmm. there was truth. Yeah. And they kept that truth. Uh, Sometimes there were there even in in the writers room, there were things that I was going, oh, my God, do we really have to expose that part of our community? Like, you know, like the 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 bug chaser. Yeah, I did not want to do those episodes. And then afterwards, I was going, no, I'm glad we did because it showed, you know, it showed us all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I'd have never known what a bug chaser was. Had <laughs> you not done that? So. I know. Well, well, you know, that, someone came in with that. I think it was I think maybe Brad was the one uh, who. Uh, who who came in and told us about it? I was like, what? What? You know, it's like, I've never heard of it either. And then, uh, but you know, it's like remember the fairy convention that right. we sent Emmett. That was all because of Michael McLennan. Uh-huh. Michael McLennan was a fairy. Uh, he was he was a part of it. so he brought in all of that research that just because it was part of his world. Yeah. So something that I've heard you comment on is the psychology of all of these characters and just mm. really understanding that and knowing what their motives were and what headspace they were in at different points in the series or just in different arcs that they have. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about about some of that, and so we can discuss it either with individual characters or, or with arcs or whole seasons. Um, but before we get there, which character was the most fun for you to write? Well, I think that, I think we'd all be lying if we didn't say that Debbie was such a fun <laughs> character for, I, I mean, whenever you have a character that just says whatever the fuck they want, uh-huh. that that's a great character. Right. And, and plus in, in the amazing 
embodiment of Sharon Glass, the great Sharon Glass. Uh, it was such a pleasure to, to write uh, for her. I also loved writing. I liked writing for all of them. I mean, I loved, it was a very appreciative cast uh, for the most part. And uh, they, but, and, and so you, there was a gratitude that I felt towards them because they were grateful for us and our storytelling. So I, I really loved, um, you know, in the last couple of seasons, I loved writing for Michelle and Taya. I loved that the, the, their story um, and how they fell apart and then came back together. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the, you know, I, I brought in a lot of the research of um, of the the big uh, custody uh, battle between the lesbians and and Michael yes. because uh, a friend of mine had experienced that. And that very thing. I mean, I even called the lawyer that she used. Wow. And, 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 and so Roberta Bennett is a real person. And I called uh, Roberta Bennett and said, can we use your name, Bobby Bennett, as the lawyer? Yeah. And she said, absolutely. <laughs> That's oh. great. I want to talk about that one in a minute. So, But before we get there, which character was the most challenging for you to, to write? Um I guess for me, uh, in in the latter years especially, it was it was a little bit of a challenge uh, to write for Justin, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, it, it was like you could just it felt like we played that story out, and then we had to f- switch it, uh, you know, to where he went off to California, and so I felt like the, the finding story for that character was a little uh, more challenging Mm -hmm. and some of the rest of them, uh, I guess, uh, you know, but uh, it wasn't a big, none of them were hard to, I mean, because, you know, you always had Justin connected with Brian. And then of course my favorite thing I ever wrote was a scene between Brian and Justin when, when Brian said, I love you to Justin. Mm -hmm. I love that episode. And I, I pushed hard for those three words. Yeah. We're going to talk about that one too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I, not not always. But the last the last season, I guess yeah. that was that was that was a little harder for us to. I could see that though, because for him, he's not really established in life just because of where he is in mm-hmm. life. I mean, he's seventeen when we meet him, and so he's going on this journey. And in some ways, the world is wide open to him. But and so it seems like the possibilities are endless. But sometimes, it's kind of that makes it a little bit harder to. Right. <laughs> right. I loved writing for Emmett and Ted. I thought we had such a great story arc for them yeah. uh, when 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 they got together and then it all fell apart mm-hmm. and drugs came in. And I, I had brought a lot of research in from friends of mine who had been in, and we all did. We all had those friends who had had, you know, meth problems. And, mm-hmm. um, that, and it was such a big, big problem in the gay community and yeah. still is. Yeah, I hear people comment on how real Ted's slide into his mm-hmm. crystal addiction was, like how real that was written and even just how it affected the people around him and that thing where we don't want to address it until we have to address it. Right, kind of right. Um, yeah, just the honesty and just how raw that was written. I really, really appreciate that. It's hard to it's hard to watch, but it's such good, um, I won't say such good TV, but, you know, it's just it's so well done. Um, that even though it's a hard arc, I really appreciate that. Well, those and those two actors were truly just not only gifted, mm-hmm. but beautiful people. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm still in contact with them off and on. And uh, Scott, what an actor Scott was, yeah. and to, to and, and and of course we've all just celebrated Peter's huge success uh-huh. with uh, the Fosters and beyond. You know, as a show, as a as a creator of shows himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about a few. Um specific arcs well i guess well before we get there i do have another question after for after season one definitely after season two queers folk became a thing with all capital letters <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. pretty big uh sensation probably bigger than they projected it to be um and it seems like at that point you might have to start balancing several things like i know you said you didn't get censorship notes from the network but i'm sure there's a little bit of that from somewhere you know that censorship how things are filmed, how the bodies are filmed, what's shown, what's not shown. Mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. expectations from fans. And at this point, you're starting to get reactions from them because the episodes are out there. And then just kind of other factors in the outside world. Uh, how do you juggle all of that in a writer's room or keep that out of a writer's room? Well, I think, I mean, to address what you're saying about bodies and and and, and the nudity and the sex in the, in the series, we always wanted it to be... Uh, not gratuitous. We always wanted it to be a part of the story, a part of the journey. And we always uh, wanted the actors, the, the way that Dan and Ron handled that, they wanted the actors to be comfortable. They wanted them not to have to do anything that they didn't want to do. So there was always a meeting. Every single sex scene, mm-hmm. there was a meeting with the director, with one of the showrunners, to discuss it. To discuss how it was going to be shot, are you comfortable with this? Are you not? And and we our actors were amazingly brave, yeah. <laughs> to say. <laughs> it's just um, I I can't even. I'd be like, no, I don't want that that love that last love handle. But of course, they were all in a lot better shape, a lot younger than me, but um, and cuter, uh, but um. That that uh, so so that that element was uh, I think what what we always wanted to do is 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 make a, a cast feel safe, mm-hmm. and 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 the same thing in the writing uh, we always felt so safe with and and we really were friends I mean we were we were I I, I still am close to almost every writer in that room mm-hmm. you know um, so. It was uh, it was just a good place to be, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? I don't know. I got veered. <laughs> I got veered off on the. Yeah, that's okay. You got most of it. I was just talking about how you keep all of the outside factors and outside forces and expectations from infiltrating. Mm, mm. Well, I mean, obviously, we got we got hate mail. Mm-hmm. Not not from the community so much. I mean, I I talked about that, and we we did get that as well. But we, you know, you you. It was before I got there. Um, they had made it where um, there was. So, it, it's interesting in this world of ours that those who profess Jesus and those who profess Christianity are the the ones who threaten your lives. Mm-hmm. And so we we when we worked on Queer as Folk, our office had no signage. Mm-hmm. It had a keypad. Nobody could get in there except us, because. There were threats, yeah. you know, early on. So there was that, and then, and then, of course, you know, you, you start hearing opinions. Well, this, you know, I guess one of the main things you do is stay away from those blogs. Yeah. 
<laughs> because those blocks can they can fuck you up and they can oh i i hate his episodes mm-hmm. um i you know or whatever i mean people people have uh, you know they have power because yeah. they're behind a keyboard they right. think that they can um still still to this day you know i have to stay away from it a lot yeah yeah, so it seems like just shielding yourself as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and, and it's hard because I mean you have to you have to be on Instagram and you have to be on Twitter and yeah. you know and I, and honestly I've reconnected with some of the queers folk folks because of Twitter. I mean uh-huh. Hal and I are like we are so in sync with uh, with uh, politically, so Hal and I are always retweeting each other and and responding to. Uh, I love House Sparks, by the way, um, and I love Gail. There's this good old Southern boy. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into some of the more um, episode story arcs, is there this pressure to give the audience what they want? Or, or uh, yeah, well, there, there, there is that. I mean, and uh, there, there was, uh, as you know, I mean, you've read it all. Uh, there were a lot of fans that weren't happy how it ended. They didn't like that, you know, and uh, but the one thing that I have to say about Ron and Dan is I don't think that they were influenced that much. They told the stories the way they felt like, you know, go back to that psychology that you were talking about and charting that out. We really wanted to tell those stories authentically. And um, so I don't really feel like that. The, the the journey of a character was ever dictated by any outside forces to influence the writing of the show. Yeah, I would imagine that's such a hard thing to do because you always want to stay true to what your to who your characters are, to what that psychology is, and then but you know you have an audience and like we want them to enjoy this, but at the same mm-hmm. time we want them to enjoy it as presented and right. Yeah, there were lots of opinions about Justin and 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 Brian and their relationship. Lots of opinions, but think about that though. If you listen to everybody, you'd never get anything done. That's true (laughs) because everybody's got such a different opinion about it. You know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about a little bit about some of that. But I kind of want to back up and talk about some of the story arcs that you that you did. that you mentioned. Uh, so another one that I, I think that you said that maybe it's somewhere else. I heard that you said y'all got a little bit of flack for that was the story with Lindsay when she had the affair with Sam, the artist. And um, yeah, did I say that publicly or did somebody else say that publicly? But that that is the truth. We did get that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, he, here's the thing, and I'm probably going to get in trouble. <laughs> but uh, when I wrote the series Sorted Lives, the, for Logo, mm-hmm. um, there was uh, the After Ellen, uh, the, uh, pod, uh, not podcast, but you know the website After Ellen, because I did not make Olivia Newton-John's character, Bitsy May, a lesbian, I made her bisexual, mm-hmm. the lesbians got all mad. Mm-hmm. And I think that there has been, since Queer as Folk, within our community, more acceptance of bisexuality, which is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's insane yeah. that that people got so angry about that. It, it, I mean, not insane, but I mean, it's it, it's it, it. I was shocked. I was shocked because it is something that happens in the real world. Mm-hmm. 
It's not like we just came up with that. We knew people who went through that, but oh my God, we betrayed them. We just, I mean, they got so angry about that. And then of course they got back together and everybody was real happy about that. But, yeah. uh, but, but it's, 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 you know, it's like I saw Margaret Cho recently on stage and she said, um, I'm, uh, I'm bisexual. I'm the B, the, uh, you know, of, you know, the forgotten letter, uh-huh. uh, which I thought, in a way, that's true, yeah. but it's 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 weird that you know there was such backlash there, and and I re- then later on after I left the you know after the show was over and I went on to do my own show, I got hit again by writing a bisexual character. Yeah, well, and I guess and I, but then there's the flip side argument too. Like there are people that are upset that you didn't go deeper into well, is she bisexual and why didn't you spell that out clearly? And so you know, there's that side of it too. Well, when you're fucking a man, and then you're you're having you know you're 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 having sex with your, a, a woman, uh, I think you're bisexual. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, how did we? I don't know how to spell it out any any more clearly than. Yeah, well, and you might can speak to this, but in my mind, at least at some point, there was some part of Lindsay that was in love with Brian. I think, and so. Even there, I think there might have been a little bit of... There was. I mean, that was set up early. And you think about the psychology of that. I just remember, you know, and I'm not to... I can't name names because uh, it would, you know, violate somebody's identity. But when I was... Uh, when I was... Uh, my kids were little. And um, uh, I, there was a, a lesbian couple at the school that my kids went to. And then I found out about the history of the, the couple... Mm-hmm. And one, one, one half of the couple, the Lindsay of the couple, had been in relationships with men and women and women her uh-huh. whole life. Um, so yeah, it was it was it's 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 interesting. People got so upset about that, and I yeah. was going. They would get, and then they, before that, they would get. There's not enough story for them, and then I'm going. Well, now we got story for them, and you're mad <laughs> you about the story. You can't win. <laughs> Yeah, no, he just cannot win. Can you speak a little bit about that, about the psychology behind Lindsay and her, that thing that she has with Brian? You know, that was, uh, I, I just, they were such best friends. They were such good friends. And uh, so maybe there was, I mean, come on. Who is not attracted to Brian Kenny? <laughs> Who? I mean. I shouldn't say that, but I'm going to get in trouble for this whole thing. You're going to get me in such <laughs> trouble. I'm going to get in such a... Such, but he was, he was, first of all, he was just completely hot. And, and, and there was something... We all like the bad boy. We all do. I mean, it's like there's something about that. And uh, I, I just think that also... But, but speaking to a bigger picture of that than just the physical of it, there was something about their friendship... And then later on, when she was with the artist, I forget his name, Sam. Uh, Sam, look at you. Uh, so when she was with him, there's also there was something about falling in love with other parts of somebody, uh-huh. rather than just the physical. That it starts some other way. Yeah, I like. And that. so, I mean, sexuality and and and, and you know, and, and attraction is very very complicated. Mm-hmm. It's not always, it's like, I, I I always fall in love with any of my caretakers. Like, you know, my chiropractor, I've got a crush on my chiropractor. <laughs> I've got a crush on my, my doctor, <laughs> Dr. Mendoza, because they're, you know, the massage therapist. Oh, I'm kind of falling in love with him or her yeah. or whatever. But it's, it's, uh, we're, we're, 
we're not so compartmentalized right. that there can't be other paths. Right. And Lindsay makes a comment that's something like that. I forget which season it is or which episode, but she makes a comment like, you know, she's kind of composed of comprised of many rooms. And so she might inhabit one yeah, room time a- and different people are in different rooms for her. So, yeah. I love that. I love that monologue. I think that came out of Ron Cowan, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about some of the other the other stories in there. You brought up the custody battle with Michael, and a lot of people are like, "What the heck is wrong with you, Michael?" <laughs> during that uh, during that whole arc. But can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that? Well, I had some really good friends, and um, they had uh, they had experienced this where they had gone to um, one half of a, you know, of a gay couple, friends of theirs, and uh, he signed off all, all the papers, you know, all the contracts and everything. But there was something, again, going to the psychology, there was something about, you know, one point, but at one point it's just sperm. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, sperm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's your child. Right. It's your DNA. And you see that. And it, uh, I, and I don't think that Michael was right. I certainly don't think he was right in what he did. Uh, if I, you know, if, I would, I've, if I'd been a friend of Michael's, I'd say, don't do this. Don't do this. But, um, but he did. And it happens in, in life. And, uh, it's the same thing that you see a lot of times uh, with with adoptions, where someone changes their mind. You know, the nine months before, while they're carrying it, it's all, yeah, I'm going to give my baby away, and then they see that baby. So I think it was a really valid storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And we got to see it on a smaller scale, or um, I guess a, a lighter, tamer version of it with Brian just at the beginning. You know, when mm-hmm. uh, he saw Gus and is like, oh, this is a real person. This is a real part of me. And so part of him wanted to have some kind of relationship mm-hmm. with that child beyond just being the sperm donor. And, you know, it didn't go as extreme as Michael's. And so I do think it was a valid thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought, and, and uh, it, you know, people can say whatever they want about, oh, well, I can't believe it. But it's good story. It is a good story. I mean, it's good story. Story is, it has it strong feelings. <laughs> It has conflict and and and, and it, it it's good drama. Mm-hmm. So just like the Lindsay story, yeah, you know, and and you can't always. And I think that's the way it is in life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't don't some of your friends sometimes have a storyline that you're not too too happy about? Yeah, I've got one I mean, going with a friend right now. Right, <laughs> it's like, why are you doing this? Yeah. I have a friend who always gives me advice on relationships and she says, uh, you have to do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> her life, she's a just mess, messy, yeah, messy, messy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk about another one that I think is a really good storyline, especially where we are right now in the world. It's definitely last year. Well, even this year, I understand it and I see it in a do- totally different way, but that's Justin and the pink posse arc. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, I think I kind of find that a little bit jarring or a little bit of a stretch for him. But when you look at what the climate in our world is right now, you see how a person becomes a a vigilante or military or whatever, because Mm -hmm. of what, what they're enduring. Yeah. It's where do you put, where do you put the rage? 
Right. Exactly. Where do you put the rage and how do you how do you you handle the rage? And again, it's not exactly the way I would handle rage, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's it, I, I look at um, you know you go back to the inspirations to the true pioneers of who made such a difference in our community, like Larry Kramer, and look at ACT UP, mm-hmm. and ACT UP they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't uh, just take it lightly. They they screamed loudly. And, um, you know, it's uh, it, we, we, we see it a lot of times in, in other movements as well. And, you know, it's what's going There's so many things going on right now. And you go, OK, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm like left of left. Uh, I'm, <laughs> so all these, you know, you're in Texas. So I have all these Texas relatives and they're like, well, you know, you're. You know, I, 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 I saw you post, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter. But what about the riots? And I'm like, wait a second. I'm not embracing the riots. I'm not doing that's not what I, or, or, you know, and or then they bring up Antifa. Oh, and Antifa, Antifa. And I said, well, I've never known one person who's involved with Antifa. That's not who I am. So it's 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 just that clumping together of everything and and um but but i'm getting so sidetracked because that's the way i do (laughs) it's like but 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 back to the pink posse i mean they were pissed right they were pissed and so they didn't have it this was their outlet they would this is the way they thought that it was the appropriate way to make a difference Mm -hmm. and you see through the other characters you see different responses to what's happening there and i feel like justin is kind of the least passive of them and so it made mm-hmm. sense for him to be the one to at least explore that way of dealing with you know and of course you know he you know, changed his mind a little bit on it but it makes sense for him to be the one i think right. to at least explore that option yeah it's a and, and anytime there's strong opinions about anything like that um, again, it goes back to it makes really good drama. It's like I had I had a friend recently, a very good friend recently, who said, you know, with queers folk, you lost me twice. And I'm like, oh, really? What? what? How did I lose you? He goes, well, you lost me the first time when Emmett decided to go to that conversion oh, therapy. The yeah. And and I was like, yeah, but boy, that was those were some fun. I know I wasn't on yeah. the show at that point, mm-hmm. uh, but. I just loved that episode. I mean, I loved it when he went to that meeting and then, uh, you know, I'm the, the leader was just overtly gay. And then the wife was just, you know, obviously uh, gay. And uh, that's real. I know so many people who went through that, Mm -hmm. who there was a part of themselves that they were, I mean, I, for years with me, I mean, I was, you know, Southern Baptist preachers kid. I didn't like that part of myself. I didn't want to be that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just valid valid storytelling, and yeah. then he, the the second part was the the you know the Lindsay and and the, that he I lost we lost him then as well. Yeah, going back to that see the light arc like for Ken and this is twenty years later. We just watched that episode a couple months ago and and talked through it. And for him, that's something that he still even as a grown man who who lives out and has been with his partner mm-hmm. for. He says that there's still that little voice in him. And so that really spoke to him when Ted mm-hmm. came back to Emmett and was like, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. God loves you. You are perfect the way you are. And so, yeah, I, get, I know what some people do get upset about that episode, but it it was so valid and so worth it mm-hmm. to have that in mm-hmm. there. I agree. 
There's something in season five. So after, well, I guess we can talk about this. The episode with when um, there's the explosion at Babylon. Uh, and then we get the those three words. So tell me about that episode and just everything leading up to to that episode well i'll tell you the story i mean it was it's it's kind of a beautiful story and it, it shows the true collaboration and the listening that uh that ron and dan always uh, respected our 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 voices as well and when i the way that the queers folk worked we we that's why i said earlier when we were uh we were talking before that we we started i said sometimes i don't even remember what i wrote because we all really wrote together and we we broke all the stories together the six writers sat in a room and we would break scene by scene together and then we would rotate so so sometimes you didn't know you were going to write that particular episode mm-hmm. that you're you, you were breaking until Friday when it was time to go home. They go, oh, by the way, that's your episode. And so then you would you would sit there and you'd type up everything, you know, and, and turn in the outline and then you, that's your episode. And so the rotation just so happened that I got the bombing of Babylon episode, which I don't even remember what the name of it is. Because back then we didn't call them, we didn't have names. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they have names on IMDb now that yeah. they've named them, but they, they weren't. When we when we were filming them, it was just episode, you know, 113 or 213 or whatever. Um, and uh, I just remember when we broke the story, if, if I'm not mistaken, we broke the story and the I love you was not in this it, when we broke it in the room. Okay. And when I wrote it, it felt like it needed it. It felt like it needed it. And I wrote it. And then Ron came to me and he said, you know, my intent was never to have Brian say those words. And I said, well, I feel <laughs> like we've earned it. I said, I was, you know, and then I go to like, you were talking about fans want this, you know, and, and I said, and so I said, Ron, do, can we shoot it? It's the last three words of the episode. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, and he doesn't have to, we can cut out of the scene before. And he, he said, okay. And so they shot it and then he came back to me and he said, I think you were right. Yeah. And, <laughs> You were definitely was, right. Yeah. So, um, so that was that was my journey with those three words, and, uh, and I'm proud of those. I think they're the, yeah. that's the most, uh, that's my favorite episode that I mm-hmm. I got to write. I also I, I also love the one that I got to write where um, um, Cody and and Justin went to church. Yeah. And then the other one was I it was one of my early episodes when. Uh, Brian got falsely accused of mm-hmm. molestation. That was that was my episode, and a, 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 another uh, amazing topical episode of a social issue that happens to 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 get to to our community. You know, we're so anyway. Um, yeah. That's that, that. Back to that. That was a, that was a very special episode. What made you feel like that was the right time? I just that? don't know when I wrote the episode and. And he saw him. I see, it makes me emotional thinking about yeah. how they, it was shot so beautifully. And he's like, he, he and he's so relieved. I thought if there's ever a time he's going to say it, yeah. it's going to be now. Because mm-hmm. he almost just lost him. Right. Or he thinks he just lost him. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was, it just kind of, you know, sometimes um, 
I teach writing now, mm-hmm. and I often say that when a character is built built so well, and when you that sometimes the character takes you on a journey that you're not really expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened to us a few times in Queer Folk, where we started the season out, uh, and we thought the the character was going to go one way, and uh, and then they went another way. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think we were ever expecting Ted and Emmett to get together. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the character sort of took us that way. Well, you are our hero for <laughs> getting <laughs> for many things, for all of this, this whole journey, but definitely for getting that scene included in in that episode. And I'm just, my mind is just thinking, I almost thought it would be a totally different thing if we never got that. You know, that whole season five would be a totally different thing if we never got those three words and i think brian had been showing that and saying it in other ways Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all along but um and so i don't think that's when he realized he loved him that happened way right but it was still so important for that to be said i felt like it was like that final that little that final thing he was holding or like that final wall Mm -hmm. that just got knocked down just by saying those three words so that was so important i can't i I got more, uh, I, you know, I did, uh, it, when, when you, you back, cause email had started and people mm-hmm. were, they would find out your email. I got more emails about that episode than all of the whole seasons that I worked on put together. Yeah. And to this day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there are some other things with season five and, you know, things that happened subsequent to, to that episode that I want to talk about. Uh, but before we get there, and this is, I don't feel this way, but this comes from what, from what, some of what I've seen and what I've heard. Do you feel like you were writing for a different, different characters or for a different show between season four and season five? I never did. I mean, I always felt like we, we were, uh, we, the, the great thing about that show is, um, we, we knew we were coming to an end. Okay. It was, it was designed. Mm-hmm. So I, I always feel so bad for these shows who get that get canceled and they don't yeah. get a finale. <laughs> so we knew what we were working towards. And and trust me, it's not just like disagreements outside. There were disagreements in the writing room too, where people were going, No, 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 I think it should do this, I think this should do it. and and then you figure it out. And then, you know, and and uh Ron and Dan, of course, they they were the big guns in the room and, and, but they did everything so respectfully. There was never, I don't ever remember one horrible fight in the room, but no, I don't, I, 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 I'm confused by that. Um, do you feel that way? No, I personally do not, uh, do not feel that way. But, uh, I think part of it has been because trying to, you know, hear more from you guys, from the writers and trying to see, okay, there were larger stories being told here through these characters Mm -hmm. and, this decision was part of a different story and, you know, or whatever. And so to me, it still feels like there's continuity between season four all the way to season five to the end of yeah. season five. I feel like there's continuity there. Uh, I mean, just like anybody else, there are things that was like, oh, I would have liked to see this, but right. I still feel like I can see where there was a, a trajectory for this to go. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like we, we, you know, because uh, I always talk to my writers and, you know, when I'm teaching writing and I go, uh, excuse me, but in the third act, your character had a, a, a personality transplant. <laughs> I did not, I did not feel that way yeah. with, uh, you know, even with Lindsay 
having the affair. I did not feel she had a personality transplant. No, I didn't. I, I just felt like she had many different rooms. Exactly. She <laughs> to occupy a different room. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's how I feel. And so you touched on this, but it was known that season five was the last, um, right. Last season. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's the other argument that people make is they're like, well, season five felt rushed almost like you got to call that nine. It's like, Hey, you got to wrap it up in, in this season. Well, we did have to wrap it up and it's always hard when you're, you're in love with characters yeah. to wrap them up. You had to figure out and, and, and maybe there wasn't the best ending for certain characters that, that the that especially the fans wanted they wanted them to go a different way but that's the way that's the way they went and uh and i um uh, we knew because right i guess there was a negotiation with the actors and the we had the, the the actors were under contract for five years and there were not all of them but most some of the actors mm-hmm. said i will not do another season I want to go, I want to move on and do okay. other things. And so there are certain characters that I think that if you didn't have and queers folk, that the, the show would not work. Right. And so, um, so that, that was a big part of, okay, we got one more season mm-hmm. to tell stories for these people. And it was kind of nice that we knew that was the end. I mean, I tried desperately. I loved. I loved. I said, "Let's uh, let's spin them off. Let's spin Emmett yeah. and Debbie. Make them move to Atlanta, and we have Queer Folk Atlanta, which yeah. could still that franchise could, should could still be going if they'd listen to me." I know that's true. I know there are some of us that are like still waiting for the next season or the reunion or the reboot. I mean, everybody yeah. was talking about the reboot, and then there was the reboot announced and. You know, and it's I don't even know what's going on with that, yeah. but it was it was not the American at all. It was uh, they right. were contacting Russell Davies uh, to 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 create uh, the reboot, which I guess was based on the characters, the other characters. I, I don't think it was. Yeah. Yeah, the British characters. So there wasn't going to be an American reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the complexity of the, the you know, because there was a marriage between Warner Brothers and Showtime. I don't know. I have no idea. But people would, I mean, I got so many, you know, when the reboots were just starting, when Will and Grace and uh, mm-hmm. all the it, people were, oh, Queer's Folk got a reboot. Yeah. What, what can you do? What can you do? I can go, I can do nothing. Yeah. I have no power. It's not my show. I was just yeah. a writer producer on the show. I know. Maybe we'll we'll all come up with some some grand scheme, some grand plan. <laughs> right. What we can do. Certain things that um, that I remember much more vividly like i remember like the ted journey with him doing some work on his you know yeah. uh, cosmetic that that was based on me by the way because i kept going i found this doctor in um in um toronto called dr solish and i kept going and having shots and and you know all these treatments and and ron ron one day he goes you need to stop <laughs> I said, I know, but it's so cheap. <laughs> it's so cheap up here. Yeah. By the way, I will say that cancer, the discovery of that cancer was one of, I think, classic queers folk that uh-huh. he hooked up with a doctor who handed him his card <laughs> after sex. Yeah, that you is might want to go get that lump checked out. <laughs> that is probably the most queers folk way to discover that you have a- Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> By the way, while I was down there, I wasn't yeah. really <laughs> examining you, but uh, I encountered. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And so something quickly about that arc, like we didn't get to see the full journey of diagnosis to treatment to recovery. We, we got to see some of it, but it was more um accelerated yeah it's accelerated yeah Yeah. and uh i think that's because we the point wasn't the journey of the cancer it was what that diagnosis specifically did to brian and to justin yeah mm -hmm. i mean the 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 that that crazy possibility that yeah well tell us both of those tell us what it did well i just you know i i i defend anytime you know if it wasn't a cancer show so i feel like that 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 the acceleration of that was was probably best and the other thing is you know people talk about brian and justin all the time but there were lots of other characters to service in the show. So we always, you know, the way we all, we wrote the show that every character or every story had a different color when we were on, when we were breaking it mm-hmm. so that we would know the order. And it was, you know, if you really look at the show, the way it was designed, yeah, Brian had a story, right. but it was truly an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. I agree with so that. to focus on just, I mean, Yes, I, I I think it was enough. Don't I? You know, I don't think that it, we wanted to get too dark and heavy with it for too long. So, but I I did like that. You know, the I did like Justin's psychology and 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 seeing somebody that he cared about and that possibility. Could I lose him? Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was good story for him. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. And because he. He was still young at that point. It could have just been like, well, I, that's a little more than I signed up for. I'm mm-hmm. too young to deal with all of that. Uh, but that stick with itness um, and that level mm-hmm. of commitment that we got to see in him through that that story arc mm-hmm. was very important. Uh, so um, how we leave things in season five is what we see with the different arcs. Like, uh, you know, Ben and Michael, they have this new baby and they've got Hunter. And I, I do like the introduction of, of Hunter and the story to kind of shake things up a little bit and give us a younger generation there. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Melanie and Lindsay and they're going off to Toronto. And then Blake comes back, which I absolutely love that decision. I don't know whose decision mm-hmm. that was. but, but I, Well, he was so popular. People mm-hmm. loved him so, so much. And yeah. yeah. How great was that to to walk into that that scene where he there he is. I love that redemption story of him because we see it with with Ted, who we've had these whole five seasons with, but also to see that redemption story with Blake. And I love how you guys handled the character of Blake because it would have been really easy to make him an addict and someone we hate. But he's someone Mm -hmm. that we we rooted for, you know, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, we really felt for him in his addiction. And then also, of course, what happens with with Brian and Justin in their in their arc. So, can you tell me a little bit about writing those last few episodes and that the last journeys for for all of the characters? Well, I just remember. Okay, I remember feeling pressure. I, I just felt like, <laughs> oh my god, we're yeah. gonna end. We don't have any more story to tell. So maybe you know, there was like, we got to get it right. We got to get it right. And uh, I mean, there was there was that, and then. Uh, and just and, and keeping to the authenticity of the characters, not just to 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 wrap it up, mm-hmm. you know, and tie it in a bow. And then I, I did love that that the lesbians said, 
Mm-mm. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> we're going to go somewhere where we're more accepted. I think people might be a little bit more understanding of that decision. Yes. <laughs> it was like, great. And the, the, and we did get the happy family with, with, um, with, uh, with uh, Ben and, and Michael. And uh, I don't know. I thought we did a pretty good job, you know, yeah. with, with uh, ending the season. I, I was happy. Yeah. So, um, and but then, of course, we were also sad. I remember that last day when it was like, "Oh my God, it's over." Yeah. It was, um, it was just a rich time for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 truly cared for each other and care for each other to these days. So, uh, what an opportunity to to document some some queer history yeah. and be and and be a part of queer history mm-hmm. because that show was truly as they say groundbreaking it was groundbreaking so um so yeah that's it is what it is you know ultimately it is what it is and to dissect it and pick it apart and say oh they should have done this they should have well we didn't yeah that's like you know um it's it was ron and dan's show and so ultimately you know they listened to us as you as i pointed out you know and that the i love you they they were very respectful but ultimately it was their call right. for for all of those and um i remember being in the q and a one time and some guy stood up and it was about my movie southern Sissies, and he said i don't know why you ended it that way why did he have to kill himself blah, blah, blah. you know he went on and he was just yeah. very upset and I said, I was really like it, the, the way it was worded was very confrontational. Mm-hmm. And I said, because it's my fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. It's my story. Mm-hmm. So uh, you want, you don't like that? That's okay. Yeah. You can, you can say, I didn't like the way that character's, I didn't like his journey. I didn't love his journey. But ultimately, all the people who say, I don't like this, I don't, they, they got to season five, episode 13. Right. <laughs> so we must have been doing something yeah. right. <laughs> right? Got him there. Yeah, and I, think expectation, I think expectation has a lot to do with how we interpret something or how we respond. To yes. It. We have an expectation in our mind. And when, when you do something that's contrary to that or doesn't agree with that, then we're like, well, you messed up. Like that was horrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We didn't meet the end that we already had put out there. And um, yeah, so I think a lot of it is well, and and you hit on it earlier. You were that's very astute. What you said is that people start feeling so attached to these characters mm-hmm. that they, you know, it's like Erica Kane on All My Children used to get screamed at by ladies on the street in New York. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. And they go, wait a second, I'm playing a character right. on television. I do not do that. These are, Justin and, and, and Brian are not real people. Ted and Emmett are not real people, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been awesome. I thank you for giving me some time today to talk about- Oh, you're so welcome. You've been, you're, you're, you're really good at this. Oh, you're like this is this has been a fun interview. This has been like it's a, you you asked some good and some hard questions. So I've been nervous about it all day. So I'm so oh, why? <laughs> why? It's like two. It's like us talking over. I, all we need is some drinks. I know. You know? <laughs> and a bar. Know. Just to I wish get we were out. Friends in real life. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you, Michelle. I just really enjoy this, and I love that our names rhyme. Yeah. Uh, 
Dale and Michelle. There you go. You know, if you All want right. to get rid of Emerson one day, just give me a call. Just it's a, the Dale and Michelle show. That would oh, that may I, I'm going to say something to him about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, you have a have a good one. Take care of those puppies. I will. Thanks for having me. Bye.